Hello and welcome to another episode of Total Space Podcast. Today we are taking a deep dive into animation. My name is Mikko and I regularly host Deep Dive Fridays. We have a few special guests today with us, but first I let the other hosts introduce themselves. And I'll hand over to another Space Nut. Hi guys, I'm another Space Nut, a regular voice at Total Space. I'll hand over to Rich. Hi everybody, I'm Rich, host of Becoming Multiplanetary Mondays. I'd just like to welcome Casper Stanley, Eric Space, Eric and Nick Henning here this week. Really happy to have you all here. Uh, starting with Casper and working my way down, could you guys take a couple of minutes and introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Casper Stanley and I'm Stanley Creative. I have been posting some renders and animations on Twitter and YouTube for the past year, I think. So yeah, that's me. Yeah, hey guys, uh, I'm Eric, Eric Space on Twitter. I have been posting some Starship animations and images for the past couple of months now, and also been featured on the What About It show as well. Hi guys, uh, thanks for having me today. Uh, my name is Nick Henning. Um, I'm found at Nick Henning 3D pretty much everywhere on the internet, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Um, I've been doing 3D animation for about 15 years now. Um, space fan my entire life and uh recently yeah about, about a year now i've been doing some animation for what about it and any freelance work that's out there great so we've all been amazed how realistic renders you guys make but i'm quite interested in how the magic actually happens uh, some background we all met through what about it i'm curious how did you get into the animation would you like to go first Kasper? I think it started about seven or eight years ago when I wanted to make a mod for Kerbal Space Program. And I sort of modeled some fuel tanks and some boosters. And that's how I got into 3D modeling and also some programming and stuff for, for making that mod. And then it sort of just developed into a hobby and now my job. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. Awesome. Great to hear. How about you, Eric? Yeah, um, it started in May, I think. Uh, once COVID hit, I got less work hours, uh, so I had a lot of free time. I've always wanted to do 3D animations and wanted to learn how it's done, but at that time I had no clue how, how it worked. So I started doing some tutorials, and then eventually I started modeling the uh, Starlink antenna dish and got it onto Yeshua and Sebastian's uh, YouTube channel and what about it, and then uh, it just continued. I guess I've been doing it for half a year now, and I'm continuously learning how to do it as I go. That's amazing, if I can say. Thank you. Glad to hear it, and very glad you actually decided to start doing those renders. Thank you so much, Miko. How about you, Nick? Wow, that's a that's incredible. You've done that so much in so little time. Um, well, I've been doing it for quite a while. I actually started on the engineering side. Um, when I was in high school, I got pretty deep into engineering classes and started using AutoCAD for building cars and things like that, and then discovered 3D Studio through that, and then it was a lot more free to be more artistically an animator. Dabbled in that for a while, but then I kind of fell out of it. Started working full-time, and I never did 3D for a while, until about four years ago, I quit my full-time job and went back to school for 3D, or actually for film school, um, 
finished that and been looking work for work ever since. But then started doing some Starship animations, things that I was just really, really interested in. And then what about it caught the eye of them and they started working with them. And then just anything that I've been interested in ever since then, Starship has just been a really fun thing to work on. People really enjoy looking at it and seeing every little detail about it. So uh, I put a lot of effort into that just because people enjoy it. That's awesome, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, guys. Really, thank you for making the experience for all of us. Thank you from community. Thank you, guys. Well, you're very welcome. I really enjoyed. Not many people know, I actually have a background in games development. I'm actually a programmer, specifically. However, this does entitle me to know a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes. So I've got a really good question for the three of you. My question to the three of you is this. From start to finish in creating and animating a scene, what is your favorite part? Now, what I mean by this is your favorite part, the actual designing of the model. And then from there, we've got the unwrapping and the normal mapping if you do any of that. And then you've got the rigging, boning, and the the final render process and stuff. So for each one of you, which part of that process is your favorite part to do? Well, that's a good question. So I'm, I like to consider myself a generalist, so I like to do a little bit of all of it, but I have to focus into one area. Um, I would have to say modeling. The designs are pretty much out there already since we're doing so much Starship work, but I really like to get in there and do modeling, and I'm a kind of perfectionist on the modeling. I have to have everything clean, so uh, like you would know that it has to be able to go into a game engine. I'm always big on that, um, just in case. Yeah, uh, I do not like the unwrapping. <laughs> I'm sure you guys would agree with that, uh, but yeah, unwrapping and texturing is my favorite. But it does give you a really nice look and that finishes final quality what people see, so it is important. But um, I'd say I'm a modeling guy. I like to I like to get in there and put that wireframe and get things nice and crisp. Nice. That's that's really good. My own modeler in my team, he hated the unwrap process and he showed what it was like. And I'm like, mm, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> so um, yeah, Eric, your turn. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say modeling as well. During the past month, I don't know if you saw the um, Starship animation I put out, but that was basically a whole month of just rendering and setting up scenes. Uh, so I was really eager to get back to uh, to modeling. And it's it's fun when, once the model is done to uh, set it up in a scene and start making some, some images with it. But it can be really rough with the uh, UV unwrapping and the texturing. So I would say I enjoy the modeling the most, yeah. Okay, so we're two for two on modeling. Casper? Yeah, I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but <laughs> modeling is great and I hate UV unwrapping. Yeah, it's just adding all the little details and the actual parts of the rockets and yeah, the model is very fun and you can see it comes alive and then sort of unwrapping that down to a 2D sheet so you can add textures and stuff. That's just, it's a mess. It's really interesting to hear that, Nick, that you want to make your models capable to go into like a 3D or like a game, because obviously that's exactly what I'm doing, because all of my models, they go into my game thing called Rocket Explorer, and at the same time as they have to be good for renders, they have to be capable to still be in a game and be performance and stuff. And can you expand a bit more on uh, Rocket Explorer for the listeners, Casper? I've been privy enough to sort of see the process develop over time but i'm sure some people listening might not have heard of rocket explorer before can you expand a little bit on that for us <laughs> yeah sure i don't want this to be like an ad or anything but for the past year that's actually why i started making rockets as a thing that i do because 
I live in Denmark, so I can't just go see rockets. And when I bought a used VR headset a year ago, I just thought I have to make something so I can see a rocket in VR and see how big it actually is. And then I started modeling the new SharePod rocket and the Electron because they're quite small. And then it just evolved into making bigger and bigger rockets. I didn't want to ruin the experience to begin with. So that's why I made a small rocket to begin with. And then it evolved into this application slash game that I have now called Rocket Explorer. Yeah, it's just a thing <laughs> where you can view rockets and compare them to each other and see all the intricate details and you can launch them. And obviously it's still in VR, but you can also have it in non-VR. So you can just use it on your PC or Mac or anything like that. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Thank you, Casper. Thanks for letting me talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple of trailers on that game and it does look quite awesome. Yes, congratulations on getting on Steam there too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to model something, but that came out quite horrible. And even that took a lot of time. I learned how to use Blender. I'm interested, how much does your projects take and what apps do you use? Oh, I'll start with that one. That can depend a lot. My main modeling program I use is Maya. The reason I use that is because uh, when I started using it, trying to get professionally, that was what kind of what was in the industry. That's what people were using, which is now, uh, unfortunately for me, but fortunately for a lot of other people switching over to Blender. Um, it's pretty powerful and it's a pretty good price to it free. So I use Maya. Depending on the project, my longest modeling project ever was uh, Serenity from the Firefly movies. And that was about six months of work. Four of that was unwrapping, or no, no, two months of unwrapping about four months of actually modeling but that was my biggest project but i have had projects that i've finished in a day just tiny little things so it really just depends on the quality and uh what we want to get out of the outcome of it yeah six months is quite a bit of time to work on a project yeah and i was doing that as if i was working in a studio so i was um trying not to work more than maybe six to eight hours a day but um keeping it like six hours a day just working on that same project it was uh, pretty good. I think I got up 17 million polygons on that one, so not quite ready for a game. <laughs> nope. I remember seeing that. It was a really, really cool model. You rendered it in like uh, in Boca Chica or something, right? That's right. I did. Um, one of our, our the area photography photos was a perfect shot of the landing pad empty, and so I was able to composite that landed over there. And I did a little fun thing of him go back in time to see where it all started. Yeah, that was really, really cool. It's I love Firefly, so it's it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That image is actually I just looked over the background of my desktop now. Nice. You were saying about that clean shot there, Nick. Have you thought about doing like a um a time lapse right from sort of SpaceX buying it right through to where it's at now and just condensing it down in an Apple style uh video? You know, like a big, like long time lapse or any of you guys really, because I think that'd be quite cool. A time lapse of the Boca Chica area? Yeah, like the orbital launch facility that they've got down in Boca Chica. If you were to just put like an, an entire history of that dirt hill turning into what it is and then condense it down into like, you know, 40 second sort of real flick through so you could see from like, you could maybe transition hoppy midair into SN5 and, and stuff like that. That's a really good idea. It could have like a camera pan like you see with a real film quick lapse, but then make it kind of fake it with animation and kind of build everything up really fast and have the test articles come in and go out really fast and blow up or succeed. And that's a good idea. 
Yeah, I'm really glad you're better at explaining that than me. <laughs> I can see it in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that either. That's, that's a really cool idea. I think you should do that. Sounds like that might be a, co a collaboration project because even though I got a lot of the parts, that's still a lot of modeling to do. Yeah, that's a big one. And even if you were to like do the thing where you move the chest articles out and back again, yeah, that would be a, a big one. <laughs> we all know all three of you like modeling now, so I'm going to cycle it back to that real quick. Let's talk poly counts. For the three of you, what kind of poly counts do your starships end up coming out at? I actually have no idea. A couple of hundred thousand, I think. Uh, I use a lot of subdivision surfaces, which adds to it, but I, I have no idea what my current model has. Yeah, no, I have to second that. I have absolutely no idea. And I feel like it also changes a lot because I do have the fixed current Starship, the official final version, and then I have a lot of prototypes and stuff like that. And I think the prototypes are a lot worse than the, the one that I actually put in Rocket Explorer. Yeah, same here. I've got a couple different versions. I have one version that I have every ring separately modeled with the inside as well as the outside, so it's a full 3D object, and then I can use that for like stacking and building. That's up to about a quarter million polys for the entire ship together, but then my exterior shots for just the ship only, um, that one's down to about a, under 100,000 polys for that. It's actually pretty low. Okay, I thought that uh, at least Nick and Casper, you two might have had something because you guys spoke earlier about putting your objects into game engines. Now, I know that game engines have, I'm pretty sure they have a soft limit on poly count when you're pulling in models. It all depends on what, what you want to get out of performance. Um, if you just had one super high poly starship in there and that you were just walking around the exterior of and there really wasn't any more environment, you could get away with quite a lot. But if you had it interacting dynamically with it and other stuff in that app or game, then um, it, you'd want to get a little lower than the lower the better. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not a big problem yet. What's more important, I feel like, in my experience, it has been materials and a lot of repeat objects and a lot of small objects and not so much the actual poly count of the different models because game engines now can do a lot of fancy tricks where they hide models when you're not looking at them and and such so yeah it's it's really not too big of a concern in my experience okay and starting from casper working our way down i know some of you do animations there do you animate within the modeling engine or do you export that to a game engine prior to animation? I render in Blender and in the EV renderer engine uh, because I think it's really, really fast and I think it just looks a lot better than I think it would if I were to do it in a separate engine like Unity or something where I have Rocket Explorer. And it's just easier to animate and, and render the stuff in the same engine. And you can do a lot of other things like clouds and water I think it's pretty easy to just keep it all in the same project. Okay, same to Eric? Yeah, I mainly use Blender as the rendering engine as well. I use Cycles and it takes a lot longer than uh, than EV rendering. Some frames takes um, 7 to 10 minutes per frame. But I think, uh, you know, keyframing key and setting up the scene is, is much e easier in Blender when you use the same model in the uh, animation part as well as the modeling part. And uh, Nick, your answer? So yeah, my rendering process is uh, pretty similar. I like to keep in, in the program that I model it as much as possible, um, which is Maya for me. Um, I render out with the Arnold renderer, which is a pretty good little renderer. It does take quite a while though, especially when doing fluids. I've had some take up 45 minutes a frame for when I'm doing smokes and stuff, so that's why I try to avoid that. So yeah, I'll do the modeling in there, the animating in Maya, 
and then I render it out. I like to do my render outs individual PNG files, so each frame is a file that I put together in After Effects. That way if anything messes up, I just can replace that little chunk of the whole animation. Yeah, I'd like to keep it pretty streamlined and all together if possible. Yeah, because I render in Eevee, my frames take like maximum like a second if it's not too complicated of a scene. I could I cannot understand that you guys render in anything else. <laughs> I could not work with cycles or, or anything else. You get really good results with it too. That is true, that is true. But I don't think what I do would be possible if not for Eevee. It would just take too long. Yeah, one second rendering would be amazing, actually. Sometimes I have been starting to collaborate with small stars, and he has two computers, and I have my one computer. So we can usually do um, about double or three times the speed of what it would take with just the one computer. So that's how I solved it during the last month. But it's it's pretty rough, and I um, for sure want to do it in Eevee as well, but my model doesn't look at all the same as it does in Cycles. Uh, so I'd have to make a new model uh, optimized for Eevee rendering, if so. Yeah, that's a thing that can happen. Is for renders, you'll get a lot of different outcomes that you didn't expect. One of the things that Cycles does that's really interesting, it's the realistic lighting, right? It actually calculates where the light will bounce off, and that creates the consistent good results. Whereas the EV that I use, it's sort of an approximation, which causes me to have to do some tricks here and there to make it seem like it's real. Yeah, just rendering in uh, plain EV might sometimes look like just from a game. So you have to do some tricks to make it look good. While Cycles takes a long time, I think it looks much more realistic per frame. I noticed a few of you guys were mentioned by Elon on Twitter. You know, he's giving you quite some good feedback. Do you feel that's impacted um, in, in, you know, some of the sleepless nights, some of the extra work that you've had to do to make it right. I know at least Nick said he was a perfectionist. Do you get sleepless nights sometimes when you get a response from somebody like Elon that's giving you credible things to work with? Well, well it definitely motivates you. You get the uh, all elusive response from Elon. Um, yeah, um, I'll have to say from personal experience, he, just my recent animations, the first time he's ever said anything about mine, which was really cool, um, even though he was correcting me, sure got me to going because now I'm fixing that as we speak. <laughs> so those sleepless nights are more of, oh, I got to get more work done. I got to I gotta tweak this. I got to get this just perfect. And uh, I think him being on there and him being the CEO that he is, which is different than pretty much everybody else, he's willing to engage with his fans, if you want to call them that, or people that are just excited about space. Um, I think that really motivates a lot of people out there. How about you, Eric? You've gotten quite a few responses from Elon. Yeah, his favorite fan. Yeah, it's pretty insane, actually. But I have to say that you kind of get used to it. You know, in the beginning, it was sort of a shock checking Twitter and, and seeing that he, uh, he actually wrote something. But now it's more of a, you know, roulette or, or jackpot once he does. And as uh, Nick said, if he gives any um, criticism, I'm pretty quick to adjust it. And how about you, Casper? Yeah, I can't answer this question because he hasn't commented on mine. <laughs> So I'm basically talking to two celebrities here. But I think you're the icon of the group. I've sort of been following you on Twitter for as long as I've been on Twitter. I think you were like second or third person I followed on Twitter even. So I think these guys would consider you the celebrity maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Casper is, is the main guy, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. I don't know what to say to that. I guess I've just been doing it for a couple of months longer than you guys. I know, Eric, you have a lot more followers than I do, so... 
<laughs> that's my metric. Well, it's uh, it's all about posting quite frequently and just doing what you want to see yourself. So if I want to see Starship Dock to the ISS, uh, I just spend some time and, and make it. And people usually like it, uh, so I'm happy that they do. 100%. I really enjoy what you do too. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. How does it feel when your renderings are featured weekly on YouTube shows like What About It, Everyday Astronaut, Marcus House? I would actually say that that is a bigger deal for me than um, than the Twitter engagements. I know I have a, quite a few followers and quite a lot of engagement on Twitter, but it's it's a big honor to be able to be featured on What About It and Marcus House and Everyday Astronauts videos. Uh, so that's really the big thing thing for me, actually. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to agree. It's been a real honor to be able to work with Felix, What About It, and and uh, Tim Dodd, of course, with Everyday Astronauts. That is really what what keeps me going, and it's yeah, that's that's just really cool because Tim uh, Everyday Astronauts is what really got me into rockets and and space so it is quite weird to be able to do stuff for for his videos and and it's surreal totally how about you nick yeah that kind of where it kind of all started um i watched felix for quite a while um i really got into what about it um when he went down to boca chica during his live streams down there it was just so cool to see it live i know it was like oh that was that's there right now um so i really got into that got into doing the discord with him and stuff and then he got interested in putting the animations up and of course it was like oh yeah please i mean hundreds of thousands of people are going to get to see it so that's really cool um i kind of work exclusively with him so not many other people use much of my work um on their other channels but yeah just getting it out there more people to see it the better it's just it's just so fun to do awesome then a fun question a lot of fans especially in what about it discord think that starship looks like a penguin how about you guys where did that come from was it the wings <laughs> it was the wings and when it got frosty as well when it got a white paint job i don't think help matters <laughs> okay i guess i'll have to uh to do a, a penguin version <laughs> it's been on my list for a while to do it doesn't look quite as much like a penguin with the nose cone on but uh it's 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 a tall penguin with some upper wings yeah, definitely. We've got um, Susie from our fan club saying uh, it was the wings that gave it the pronoun of penguin. Oh, she created the monster. It was Susie that did it. Yeah, I think she started it. Yeah, she did. And it's it's fitting. <laughs> Susie, you monster. <laughs> well, that's what I think of Elon whenever I see him in a tux now. He's, he's the penguin. <laughs> Elon Musk is just one bad idea away from being a supervillain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just why if him and Bezos team up watch out world that is that is scary don't say that <laughs> <laughs> I am from the Seattle area so I have to be a little nice to Bezos there is that one image of I don't know if you remember it it just sticks out in my memory of Elon looking out at the landed Falcon 9 booster in darkness and he has this long coat on and it just looks really super villainly <laughs> <laughs> he just needs a hairless cat oh god so uh, I've got a question for you guys, actually. If you had all the time in the world, you didn't have to worry about it, what is the thing that you would like to model the most right now? As in, like, if you didn't have to worry, you'd had all the time in the world to get as detailed as you want, what would be the thing that you most want to model right now? I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is a full starship, maybe around the moon for... What's it called again? 
Dear Moon. Dear Moon, exactly. And maybe a full mission to Mars and back, sort of an animation like that, entering Mars atmosphere and, and landing. Astronauts walking out, that would be really, really cool. And then maybe an animation where a base is slowly building up, sort of like the official SpaceX animation of the base being built, but even longer and cooler. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, second that, Casper. That's actually what I'm um, looking at working towards right now. Uh, I would say a Mars base is probably the peak peak modeling and peak uh, animating that you can get within the SpaceX community. So I'm looking at making a you know the expanding Mars base shot, and you have already seen the um, you know crewed starship I'm putting out. So I'm currently working on that for the animation. So I would say that is the main thing I would like to spend my time on uh, moving forward. I have an engineering background, so I really... Now, Casper, you've gotten really close to this, but the Raptor engine, I really think that that's one of the most important technologies uh, we're going to have going forward in the future, especially with the whole getting everybody off the planet as fast as possible. I just want to have an engineering version of Raptor that I no doubt we'll ever get, but like down from the blueprints from SpaceX, I mean, just every little thing in there working, every little every little bit detail in Raptor, which I could spend a year on, I could... That would just be amazing. I, I get excited thinking about it. So Raptor engine, every little nut and bolt, that's what I'd want to do. Just shoot Corey a message. <laughs> Did you see his video? Yeah, there's some pretty good ones. If I had all the time, that's what I would choose. So here's a question for you guys. We mentioned Dear Moon back there just a little bit. Have any of you guys applied for Dear Moon? Because it's open to artists to inspire them. And that would be a really nice way to go as an animator on a starship around the moon. I think that would inspire you guys. Have any of you guys thought about signing up to that or maybe even signed up to it? It had only like tangentially crossed my mind. I feel like you'd have to be sort of a big musician or something to apply for that. I don't think, no, I hadn't in a realistic sense thought about it. It seems pretty unrealistic, to be honest. Have they not chosen? I kind of thought they had already chosen the artist, but uh, I, I don't know about that, no. Because, I mean, it is artists, and I know that Casper says he felt it was reserved for musicians, but Maisauer did specifically say that he wanted artists of different genres, didn't he? Yeah, well, I just meant, you know, big, popular artists. Uh, so it could be, like, painters and <laughs> YouTube uh, personalities, I guess, as well. Related to that, that the, at the end of that Mr. Beast video, that was really interesting. Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they may actually choose for him to go, but not sure. I think they haven't decided at least all of them who are going. I'm going to look into it. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be, I mean, I would love to go around the moon. So if anybody working on the Dear Moon project or as SpaceX is listening, these are the guys. You want to send these guys around the moon? I could imagine doing modeling on the ship from orbit of the moon. Like, uh, my imagination is blowing up right now. So I am going to look into that because that sounds amazing. Yeah, shoot, shoot me an email. <laughs> you be unwrapping around the moon, yeah. I will. We would all be jealous. I'd have to get the okay from my wife, but I think if it's just a one-week trip, I'd be allowed. Just ask if you could get the telemetry from them to make a sort of like advanced version of mocap so you can get your coordinates and match it to a 3D model. <laughs> yeah. Dear Moon VR. Dun, dun, dun. They're looking for ideas, so man, that'd be, that'd be a pretty cool idea. So let's talk about Starship. What fascinates you about Starship? I think just the impact it will have on the industry and humans in general being fully reusable. When you think about what 
uh, airplane travel did for humanity in the beginning of the 20th century that it's just wild to think about what such uh, a capable system could do so yeah that's i think that's what fascinates me obviously also going uh, multiplanetary which would be like one of the biggest steps in evolution for our species but like on the big scale it's fascinating great answer anything to add eric or nick yeah i just want to say that the first time i saw starship it didn't look very promising to be honest it was very huge and very tall uh, but the welding and everything looked like it was made in in a garage but now that the prototypes have evolved i i really believe in it and i think they, they look really good to be honest yeah well it was essentially built in a garage basically wasn't it <laughs> Yeah, I think it was. Not even in a garage. Yeah, that takes me back to the first image I saw of Starship, which was the mock-up they did with the US flag on Hopper. And when they released that, I was actually working on a 3D video of a 1950s sci-fi retro little rocket. It looked so close to what I was working on, it just drew me in. Um, and I was hooked ever since. Just If it does everything that they say it's going to be capable of doing, it's going to change the planet in ways that we can't even imagine. I like to, I'm sure you guys are aware, but we all talk about this a lot and our families are probably tired of this, but I always like to explain how it'd be like trying to develop new jet aircraft without being able to leave the land. Like developing technologies in space without being in space is pretty difficult. And this will let us get into space and develop technologies that I don't think we can even imagine right now. Um, just the free industry being able to get up there easily is just gonna, it's gonna do some impressive things. That's actually a really good point, like opening up space for living on a much bigger scale, which can give opportunities for innovation. Yeah, that's really cool. If you guys want to come back and talk about how it's going to assist us in becoming multiplanetary, Rich does host the Monday show that focuses more on becoming multiplanetary, if you wanted to take a deeper look at that even. Yeah, you guys are really going into that. Your last multiplanetary episode with Arrow Breaking uh, helped me a lot with my newest animation. <laughs> Just to clarify, the error breaking episode was for Deep Dive. It was Miko's show. Yeah, that was me and Benno. And I, I think also Angry Astronaut and Miguel Guerrero did talk about it too on the Becoming Multiplanetary. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, we did cover it a bit, didn't we? Because I remember you brought it up as a mention. I was just going to say here, there's also just on the animation side, there's something about a large, enormous stainless steel ship that can go to space that has wings and it just falls through the atmosphere. I mean, how could you not want to animate that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of perfect. Like people want to see it and it's an interesting thing to model and animate. It's just a, a win-win win again for like in the human species. It's so many wins. <laughs> I was curious with Casper and Eric, do you guys rig your model to get the wings to flap and stuff like that? Have you actually rigged yours up or are you guys just kind of free animating it if you do any of that kind of stuff? I've just had the the wings as separate models. That's what I do for, for everything actually. And just have the origin point of that model where I want to rotate it about and then have the correct rotation so that I can rotate in the correct fashion. I have really, I have struggled in the past with rigging. Like I know how to do it, but I feel like it's unnecessary for, for this sort of hard surface stuff. Yeah. Yeah, these uh, hard surface um, models don't ne really need that much uh, rigging. So I, I just keyframe the movement and have the origin point near uh, the joints of the wings. Yeah. Oh, very smart. I was asking that because I spent quite a while on rigging and it just didn't get the results I was hoping for. So glad to hear that. <laughs> 
Yeah, you could you can do some clever stuff where you have some empty points way off in the distance and you can sort of make the wings track that if you want and animate it in a more procedural sense. But I actually did that with the with the lunar lander, the um when I modeled the Blue Origin or what's it called, national team lunar lander, because of the way the legs land with a lot of hydraulics and stuff. I made them a lot of the pistons and, and such sort of track towards each other. And then when I moved the legs, it was all in one sweep uh, motion instead of having to animate all the different individual parts. And so we were talking just a little while before we started recording today, guys, about sound and, you know, how important that the sound is to complement the animations. We do have Benor back with us today on the eavesdrop. He's, he's quite a sound-focused guy. I'm sure he'd like to know. You know, how important do you guys feel that sound is, you know, is is there sort of like an entire process behind the scenes where you guys are looking at it and, and seeing what you've got to work with or you're taking it apart and putting it back together, you know, like how, you know, what what's focusing those sounds for you guys? I'll start with this one. Um, sound for me is very important, I think, when you watch a animation that's just quiet. You just don't get the pop that you can get from sound. Um, even though the visuals do a lot, there's something that with timing and synchronizing sound with an animation that just is just adds another level to it. With that being said, sound's usually the last thing I think about when doing animations because I'm just not a sound guy. Um, I put it in there because like what I said, it just it enhances it just a little bit um, and it can add to it, of course. But having a good sound person with your animations, it, it, that can make all the difference right there. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's important. I totally agree. Sound is one of the most important things as a viewer from a viewer perspective and one of the last things that I think about. So I do the entire animation and rendering and post-processing with colors and such. And then I think, hmm, I don't know, maybe some sound with <laughs> sound would be good. Uh, but yeah, it is really, really important. It is definitely one of the most important things in animations. When I, when I look at my most popular animations and the least popular, the most popular are definitely the ones with sound. Yeah, so sound is very important. Uh, I was lucky to find some, um, I think it was Apollo 11 sounds from the launch, uh, and it, it worked really well with the animation. It's it's pretty hard to, to find appropriate wind sounds and, uh, you know, releasing and docking sounds, so I've, I've actually struggled a little bit finding that. So I have a question here that I'm pretty sure our listeners would like uh, answered, actually. Let's say they're at home listening into this. They've seen your content and they, you know, they're like, I'd really like to get into learning how to do that. What would you say would be the best sources on, on how to get into modeling like this at the ground floor? And we'll take it from Nick working up. So Nick, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So um, when it comes to learning about animating, there's a lot of different options out there. There's always the school option. That's something that I went through, but it's different for everybody. That can be quite expensive. It has its hits and misses, but to be completely honest, when it comes to the learning the software and learning the program, there's a lot of resources out there. YouTube can be very helpful. There's some that you can pay for. Uh, Pluralsight is a great place that you can pay. You can get free trials. They get really in-depth, up to four to five hour classes on there. It can teach you all the different software from Blender to Maya. The number one advice I would say is time. Just put time into it and practice. Just keep at it, keep at it. 
Um, you're not going to be good right away. It's going to take a while, but time is, I think, one of the most important things is to just keep practicing. Yeah, I, I actually started with uh, some tutorials on YouTube, and I think a lot of people start with the donut tutorial from Blender Guru, and so did I. Just like Nick, I would just uh, suggest uh, to spend a lot of time on it. And if something goes wrong, don't make it bother you and, and stop just because it goes wrong. Try to find a solution or uh, work your way around it. And there's a lot of great uh, tutorials on YouTube. I would just suggest going that route if you just want to try it in the beginning before you take school in it or uh, before you um, start investing money into uh, into modeling yeah there's not really much else to say i was about to <laughs> suggest that uh, donut tutorial i haven't taken it myself because it's uh, it's quite new but it's really popular in the in the learning community i've seen yeah my biggest advice is just make a lot of stuff a lot of small projects and then you think they are really bad and then just keep going um, i have a lot of small projects on my pc and a lot of rendered images from years ago that i think are terrible and that's perfect because that means i'm better now and i even thought they were terrible right after making them but that just pushed me to make more and try to make it better and that's if you feel like that i think you're on the right track Following on from that, Casper, you mentioned that you have quite a few small projects on your PC now. Have you ever found in future projects down the line that you've recycled some of these models into your future projects? Well, I only started modeling rockets and such a year ago, so I haven't actually had, had the chance to sort of recycle really old projects like that. But I have definitely recycled stuff and I do plan to recycle other stuff in the future. Like I've made a scene for an animation that I'm currently doing where it's on some mortar and there are some clouds and I definitely plan to reuse those assets later. And what about you, Eric and Nick? you ever recycle any of your old assets into new projects and polish them up a little to save time? Yeah, I've, um, I've only been at it uh, for six months, but I was lucky to have the uh, Starlink satellite model ready. So I could just import it to my uh, Starship animation file and uh, create this full stack for the animation. So I was lucky there. Uh, what about you, Nick? Yeah, well, we discussed earlier my Serenity model, which I put in, kind of mixed it up with some Starship stuff. I have some props. I used to be in the big prop modeling, so I random things that I have in a file that are all ready to go called Assets for the Future. Right, I do have one question before we wrap this up. Uh, do you have any uh, future or current projects that you'd like to share for our audience? Um, well, I just wrapped up my big um, Starship landing animation, which I released the other day. That was a pretty big project, so I haven't really thought about anything new other than fixing that one, of course, um, per Elon. <laughs> Um, so that actually should be done hopefully this weekend. We actually might feature that on What About It. We'll see. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, just some random modeling projects and some side sci-fi ships that I'm working on. Um, nothing really big coming up for Starship. Yeah, so I was really relieved when once this uh, animation was put out. So now my plan is just to uh, make some random stuff before I take on another huge project like the last one. Uh, but I've already made the groundworks for a larger Mars animation. Uh, but that may, might take a couple of months, maybe may done next year. Currently finishing an animation of the Copenhagen Suborbital speaker rocket. Um, I've been working on that for a couple of months. It's sort of on the scale of what Eric did, but just for this small, tiny Danish rocket. And then obviously I'm working on Rocket Explorer, which I talked about earlier. That just had a public Steam page, so you can go and wishlist it now. So that would be awesome. <laughs> 
yeah, I I do plan to once the the new official updated Starship design has been released on the on the website as they plan to, I will make a a full launch and dive animation or maybe around the moon or something like that. But yeah, I'm waiting until that new design is is released and then I will update my model and make a big animation for you guys. This is all the time we have today, but before we end, uh, big thanks to our guests Kaspar, Eric and Nick. But would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kasper underscore Stanley, and it's spelled C-A-S-P-A-R and then Stanley, and on YouTube under Stanley Creative. You can find me on Twitter, ERCX, E-R-C-X space, and now on YouTube as well with the same name. Yeah, I'm uh, Nick Henning 3D, pretty much all over the internet. Uh, NickHenning3D.com is where you can find my professional reels and work and uh, pretty much all the stuff I've done in my past. I just want to thank you guys for having me today. And thank you for coming on today, guys. It was our pleasure to have you here. And uh, stick around in the server. And if you feel uh, you want to join in any of the other conversations that are going on, you know, you're always welcome to come join in the recording sessions. <laughs> thank you guys so much for for having me on it was it was a blast thank you thanks for having me great to be here it was great talking to the animators too i always like to hear other people's ideas yeah that was that was really interesting <laughs> i've been rich lb host of becoming multiplanetary mondays big thank you to all the guests that have arrived today so that's casper stanley that's eric x space and nick henning 3d big thank you for coming on the show it's been a real pleasure to have you here it's been real interesting getting to talk shop about it as well i've been able to geek out a little bit and i thank you for that thanks for listening everyone i've been mikko don't forget to follow us on twitter youtube and your favorite podcast platform and have a great day